You know, one of the most athletic players in the league. The stage would be absolutely incredible for him to shine and really just garner a ton of excitement. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Dunks, the weekly NBA show over at Slab Stocks. I'm your host, Sam. Uh, please follow us on Instagram, at Slab Stocks. Subscribe to us here on YouTube. And while you're at it, head on over to Twitter. I know you have one. Follow us there, at Slab Stocks. I don't know why we don't have any traction on Twitter, but we should try and change that. So please go follow us, like, and retweet as many posts as you can. Try and get your friends involved. It's more fun if we have more people involved. Today, we are previewing the NBA restart. I'm recording this on Sunday, by the way, but it won't air until Tuesday, which means that by the time you're watching this, in two days, we're going to be watching real, meaningful NBA basketball. Sort of meaningful, anyways. Uh, first up Thursday evening, we have Jazz Pelicans, which means we'll get to see Zion take the court again. And then a big showdown between the Clippers and Lakers later that evening, which should be good as well. So a ton to look forward, for, forward to as NBA fans. Before we go any further, a couple of loose ends to pick up from around the league. You know, just a bunch of NBA news that's been happening lately. I guess that's to be expected with things ramping back up, thankfully. Back on the 20th, King's second-year big man Marvin Bagley suffered a foot injury in his right foot after stepping on another player's foot while going for a rebound during practice. Uh, they're calling it a lateral right foot sprain, which I'm not going to try to explain. I don't totally understand it. Uh, but there are other good accounts out there for you to follow that will give you that type of information. I recommend you go check out the Sports Card PT on Instagram. He's a physical therapist, and he produces content revolving around that type of stuff for the card market. So better for you to go learn about that from him than from me merely just sitting here trying my best. Again, that's at the Sports Card PT on Instagram, PT as in physical therapy. Now, the one thing I do know is that it's Marvin Bagley's right foot. His previous foot injury from earlier this season had been in his left foot, so those are unrelated, I assume. Uh, so that's positive, but it's just another in a long line of injuries for the young big man. You know, so far in his career, he's had a sprained knee, a bruised pelvis, a, a left foot sprain, a right foot injury, a broken thumb, uh, back spasms, and the list just goes on and on and on. It's really pretty depressing. His rookie season, he missed 20 games. This season, he's missed 59 games, and he's missing the entire final playoff push. So, you know, really just disappointing all around for the former number two overall pick. Now, if you have watched my show for a while, you probably know that I'm just kind of generally pretty down on Bagley overall. A big part of the reason is just due to all of these mounting injuries. He's just seemingly so injury prone, and it's a full contact sport, especially at his position. The lower leg and foot injuries are always pretty scary for big men, and he's had his fair share of both. I'm also down on him just from an on-court standpoint, but I really don't want to kick a man while he's down, so you know, we'll just kind of leave it at that. His PSA 10 Prism Silver Rookie cards have been going on best offers today for around $175. Again, this is Sunday the 26th. By the time this post, that could change, obviously. Uh, it's pretty much right in line with where he's been since before the injury. And if I personally had anything invested in Bagley, I'd be selling right now. There's just so much risk at the moment, but you know, I might be a little more risk-averse than you. I don't know. You know. There are a lot of Bagley believers still out there, and seemingly a ton of people that are still buying him at the moment at, on eBay, judging by current eBay sales. So if you want to sell, this could be a good chance for you to still be able to get a good price out of him. Another injury recently came to DeMontis Sabonis, uh, which is a huge disappointment to me. Uh, plantar fasciitis in his left foot is what they're calling it, so big bummer. Hope he comes back okay next year. My gut says 
This really kind of takes the Pacers out of the playoffs. I think there was a chance that Oladipo played if everyone was healthy, but with Sabonis out, I wouldn't be shocked if Oladipo decided that he wasn't quite ready either. And then you're left with basically Brogdon and Miles Turner, and that's just not going to get you very far as talented as those guys are. So pretty big disappointment for the Pacers overall. Uh, some good news on the injury front. Just saw right before I started recording that Jonathan Isaac is getting ready to play for the first time in months on Monday. Uh, so by this viewing, obviously that's already happened. Huge boost to the Magic, although I wouldn't expect them to play too many minutes, and I don't expect the Magic to advance past the first round. So Isaac's return probably won't mean much for his card market right now, but it is encouraging for next year that he is already back. So we at least have next year to look forward to. Next bit of news. The Knicks have their next head coach, Tom Thibodeau. They announced that his hiring was imminent on Friday. They were working at the time on a five-year deal as of the last reporting. That's the most current information I have. Uh, certainly not the most inspiring hire, but I suppose it is probably better than Jason Kidd, who was the other name they were bandying about. I had mentioned a month or two ago that if this was the route the Knicks would take, I think it would pay pretty good dividends for Mitchell Robinson, and I still think that's probably going to prove true. You know, we know Thibs is a grinder as a coach. He loves to play his players long minutes, and he really specializes on the defensive side of the ball. Good old Mitch Rob has averaged only 22 minutes per game through his first two seasons with only 26 starts to his name. I would expect that all to change under Tom T. He's one of the best rim defenders in the NBA, and if he's getting as many minutes as he can before fouling out, Robinson absolutely should shine in New York. Plus, I mentioned it in my 2018 draft recap, but Robinson only averaged 3.5 fouls per 36 minutes over the last 10 games of this season, so maybe there's been some improvement there. I like Robinson a lot as a player. I think his position as you know, one of the few exciting young guys in New York gives him a pretty unique spot as a good buy candidate for us, simply because of the marketing of the organization that's bound to be uh, built out around him. His PSA 10 Prism Silver Rookie cards have been going in the $160 range over the past week, so you know maybe just sell Bagley and invest in Robinson. I think that's a fine short-term trade, and uh, we'll just hope that everything works out for Rich Mitchell Robinson in New York. Uh, next, another bit of coaching news for different reasons. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw this, but Bulls rookie Daniel Gafford was streaming on Twitch about a week ago. He was playing NBA 2K20 when one fan asked him if he liked Jim Boylan, and he gave just the funniest response I've ever heard. Uh, I'm just going to read it for you. He said, I'm going to answer this question, but I'm not going to read it out. As a matter of fact, I will read it out. Do you like Jim Boylan? He all right. I don't like him a lot, but he okay. Uh, got some things he can work on, got some things he can get better at as a person and as a coach. I'm not going to hate on him. I'm not going to hate on the man. <laughs> Love that for a couple of reasons. A, because uh, saying a bunch of negative stuff about a guy, both professionally and personally, then following it up with, I'm not going to hate the man, is kind of a hilarious bit of trying to save face. Uh, B, this is Daniel Gafford, who I think is a pretty good player, but a 21-year-old second-round rookie it's probably not the person you went announcing that you need to get better both as a person and as a coach. So kind of funny all around. I'm sure the Bulls didn't want that to happen, but you know these things do happen, especially for coaches of Boylan's ilk. Uh, I think we are all well aware by now of Boylan's coaching acumen. You know, he's been maligned over the past few seasons by me here too, no doubt about it. And now his own second round rookies are going public on the public record against him. We know he's not very well received in the locker room, but it's maybe even worse than maybe we before realized. 
Evidently, Karnasovas is doing his due diligence and background work on Boylan's coaching, and we still haven't heard what their plans are for next year. At this point, it is still Boylan. I still think they've got to get him out of there and bring in some new vision because, you know, there's just a number of young players on this team that would be benefit hugely once Boylan leaves. But at this point, who knows what they're going to do? I would not be surprised either way if he's here for one more year or if he's gone immediately. Uh, if he's gone, Kobe White, Wendell Carter, Laurie Markin, and they're all destined to improve under a different scheme. So we'll just have to wait and see. You know, you don't wish for anyone to lose their job, but at least it would help the other players. Our last bit of news, and then we'll use this as a transition into our topic for the day. Bol Bol, son of Manute Bol, one of the tallest players in NBA history. He really took the league by storm this past week. Uh, Bol Bol took the NBA court for the first time in, in his career. He set the internet and particularly the card market on fire. His first start was against the Washington Wizards in a scrimmage. 16 points, 10 rebounds, 6 blocks, and even during the game his cards started to skyrocket. His raw Prism Silver rookies jumped from $60 to about $130 in two days. Today, they're still going for around $100 to $130. They're, both, they're all raw right now, so you know, we expect some variance based on great ability. He played again on Saturday night, this time against the Pelicans, and he had some nice moments, but not quite as earth-shattering as before. 15 points, 3 rebounds, 2 blocks. Shot only 6 of 19 from the field, though. Now... You should not be buying Bull Bull for $130 at the moment, in my humble opinion, because this is the same thing that we see every year in the NBA Summer League. Now, these scrimmages have been a much higher level of competition than Summer League, but the surrounding discussions and hype are very similar between the two. Remember this past Summer League, when Carson Edwards averaged 19 points and a 70% true shooting. Uh, incredible stuff! didn't show up in the regular season. Lonnie Walker, he averaged 25 points. Or who could forget about the hype that was built around Anthony Simons and his 22 points per game and 65% shooting from deep last summer league? Going into the season, he was being labeled as a buy all around the card market. Although, you know, I didn't see personally where the playing time was going to come from. And we saw that take place this year with his only 21 minutes per game and only 9 points per game to go with that. Or heck, hey, remember future MVP Kevin Knox from two summers ago? Or who could forget 2018 Summer League MVP Josh Hart? Yeah, you know, this stuff just happens. We get excited about it, but we need to learn to temper our expectations. So Bull Bull had an awesome game in a scrimmage. But if you got carried away and bought during that run-up, you are bound to get burned at least for a while. There's still a chance that it could come out right. Additional concerns come into play with Bull Bull. The Nuggets have been shorthanded lately, like many of the teams around the league, as they wait for all of their players to get healthy and arrive. I think they still only have like two wing players available or something like that. You know, this is why he's been playing so many minutes. Uh, sure, they want to see what he can do, but also they have no other choices at the moment. This Nuggets team is one of the deepest rosters in the league, and that's likely to continue next year as well. With Bowl, we're going to have to run into the same problem that we've been seeing with MPJ. There's just not enough minutes to go around. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see some awesome games from Bowl Bowl next season, just like we saw with MPJ this past year. Um, but you know, just based on the roster around him, I'm not sure that Mike Malone's going to be handing him more than you know 15 minutes a night. Probably not even that. And then the card market is going to go through the same roller coaster ride as we saw it did this year with Michael Porter Jr. That being said, it is hard not to like what we've seen from Bol Bol so far. You know, on paper, he's the perfect fit next to Jokic. A versatile de defensive shot blocker that can shoot threes very well is literally exactly what Jokic's running partner ought to be. 
So I really hope we see some more of him over the rest of the regular season. Uh, it would be great to get him some more run, and I hope we see him more next season. He could really be an awesome pairing with Jokic if he develops, uh, and then you throw out MPJ out at the three. I'm liking that. Uh, just wait a little bit more until you buy, though. I don't think he's going to be playing in the playoffs, and as we get excited for everyone else, you know, his excitement is going to wane a little bit. And next season, I think we'll see it wane a bit more. Malone is just not likely to hand him minutes next year. Not, not hand over fist like he, he does with some of his other players. Uh, but he's the classic case of a future investment that you, know, you just wait until there's, a, there's as little news about him as possible before buying. So future buy, maybe. We'll have to wait and see. But he's a sell at the moment if you are holding him. And otherwise, I would hold off until buying until a, fut a better moment in the future. So that brings us into the NBA restart. There are a number of players to keep our eyes on as the NBA resumes, and I'm not going to go through every player or even every team, and I'm not even really going to be talking prices or even really diving too deep into stats. I do just kind of want to lump a bunch of different players and teams together and talk them in a more general way for what we can expect and what we ought to be looking forward to. First up are the young guys that could see a real boost depending on how the eighth seed in the West shakes out. Uh, right now, the Grizzlies hold that eighth spot by several games, but they are within spitting distance of the Trailblazers, Pelicans, and the Kings, and, and the Spurs also, for that matter. I have to imagine that whatever team gets into the first round and has the privilege of a first-round sweep at the hand of the Lakers, they're probably going to see some boost for some of its young stars. So if the Grizzlies hold on, John Morant is going to be taking center stage against a Lakers team with hardly even a guard available. That's good news for Jaws Market. You know, some tough matchups for Jaron Jackson Jr., certainly, you know, but getting him on the center stage in the NBA playoffs, it could mean good things for his market as well. Maybe the Kings somehow sneak in, although I think that's unlikely. But if they do, it's going to be on the back of De'Aaron Fox, you know, one of the most athletic players in the league. The stage would be absolutely incredible for him to shine and really just garner a ton of excitement. Of course, if any team manages to make up the ground over the next eight games and, and sneak into the eighth seed, it's most likely going to be the Pelicans. Zion Williamson was away from the bubble since July 16th to tend to a family emergency, but he's back now. He's on a short quarantine, and he should be back for the first game against the Utah Jazz. The only reason the NBA invited 22 teams to the bubble was because of Zion. You know, maybe not a lot of people have realized it yet, but this year's playoffs is going to be missing a ton of star power they're used to. Uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie, Curry, uh, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Damian Lillard, probably. You know, none, of the, none of them are going to be there. There's still a bunch of big stars left, but pretty huge hit compared to former years. You can't blame the NBA for doing everything you can to try and get Zion into the playoffs. Oh, and by the way, 22 teams, and you know who has the 22nd most difficult schedule, the easiest? The Pelicans. While the Grizzlies spend their eight games against the likes of the Blazers and the Jazz and the Thunder and the Raptors and the Celtics and the Bucks, the Pelicans will be facing the Kings twice, the Wizards, the Spurs, and the Magic. So, if anyone is going to be making up the ground, you'd have to put your money on Zion and the Pelicans. I like a lot of the young guys there, not just Zion, but you know Ingram and Lonzo, who are both going to be playing their butts off to try and prove the Lakers wrong after they ship them off to New Orleans. You got Jackson Hayes, who's also a good young big. There's just a ton to like down there in New Orleans over the coming years, but I think that starts right now, especially if they can sneak their way into the playoffs, and that's not out of the question. 
Next category of players to watch would be you know the, the future faces of the league. So obviously Zion Williamson is one of those, and we don't need to rehash him again. We just finished with that. The other player in this category is clearly Luka Doncic. Uh, do you realize that this Mavericks team just set the NBA record for the highest offensive rating for a season with an O rating of 116.7? That's insane. You know, almost a full point per game better than any of the Warriors juggernauts over the past few years. Instead, though, of having Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and Iggy and Steph, they were trotting out Luka Doncic and the current form of Porzingis, and then a whole bunch of guys like Tim Hardaway Jr., Seth Curry, DeLon Wright, and Dorian Finney-Smith. Justin Jackson was playing meaningful minutes for the Mavericks this year. What we should take from this is that Luka Doncic is an absolute fiend on offense. And with Luka shouldering the load of a 37% usage percentage and a 29 points per game, the Mavericks had the best offense ever. That's incredible. Now, I have some reservations about the Mavericks' playoff chances this season. This might be a bit of a hot take. There's a super good chance that this is going to be super dumb in about a month. But depending on who their first-round matchup is against, it wouldn't be terribly surprising to see the Mavericks bounced pretty quickly. And I hate to say this, because it's always said about the Bucks, but the Mavericks could be that team that's super good in the regular season and then struggles in the playoffs. And so much of the success relies on one player, and as good as that one player is in this situation, it still shouldn't be super hard for opposing teams to game plan against them for the playoffs. We know how this goes. Teams lock down on defense in the playoffs, and they do everything they can to neutralize their opponent's strengths in a way that just doesn't happen over the course of the regular season. Their first-round matchup will likely be against one of the Clippers, Nuggets, or Jazz, and each one of those teams has a number of capable defenders that they'll be able to throw in Luka's way. I would never bet against Doncic, but I don't think that this is his year. Could be 100% off base on that, and if I am, that's okay. But let's just imagine for a second that he does get bounced with the Mavericks and gets bounced pretty quickly. And you know, with the general cynicism of NBA fans, it wouldn't be super surprising to see at least a little bit of a turn on him. You know, If that happens, I don't think it would be long-term at all. He's very soon going to be one of the faces of the league, and he's an incredible offensive talent. So perhaps we see a small cooling down period on him. Uh, but then, you know, I mean, buy what you can, base, silver, optic, select, PSA 9s, whatever. It's all pretty good investment for Luka. The other option is that he starts to wreck the Western Conference already, and then his prices soar, and I look like an idiot. But it's only going to be one of those two things, so good luck at figuring out which one it's going to be. Uh, next group to consider is those second-tier playoff teams that have a really good chance to make some serious noise, especially with the strangeness of the current playoff environment. I'm talking about the Toronto Raptors, the Boston Celtics, the Miami Heat, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Denver Nuggets, the Utah Jazz, Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Houston Rockets. Every one of these teams has guys who will be thought of in a much brighter light if they're able to dethrone one of the Clippers, Lakers, or Bucks. And this year in particular, it's really not out of the realm of possibility that one of these second-tier teams sneaks all their, their way all the way in. If the Raptors make a deep run to the championship, they step out of the shadow of Kawhi Leonard, they stop getting disrespected and generally overlooked by the NBA at large, and there are a number of guys on that team that'll get a little more shine. Siakam, obviously, Van Fleet, OG Ananobi, Terrence Davis, are some of those younger guys that really have 
will really have to excel for this to happen and then they would position themselves pretty nicely in the card market for our investments uh, if the celtics do it you know, obviously then you have Jason Tatum being thrust into that top 10 player consideration right now versus in the future. And his demand just goes through the roof. Uh, Jalen Brown's demand really would start to skyrocket as well, maybe in a little lesser way than Jason Tatum. Uh, with the Heat, if they're making a deep run, it's a chance for Bam Adebayo to become that household name that he really probably already should be. Uh, Tyler Harrow, he should have some you know, opportunities to get hot from three in a way that people just really love to blow up during the during the playoffs. You know, Kendrick Nunn could get some shine as well, although I don't think his game is you know quite as tailor made for the playoff highlights like the other two Heat players that I just mentioned. Uh, then we have the Philadelphia 76ers. You've probably heard Ben Simmons has moved to the four so that Shake Milton could start getting starts at point guard where Simmons had been playing. Ben Simmons has looked great through two scrimmages with that change. I'm sure he's always going to look good wherever he plays because that's just what he always does. He's extremely talented. Uh, now he's supposedly added a new wrinkle to his game. He's taken a, a few catch-and-shoot corner three-pointers, which is just about the easiest look that you can get around the arc, which is why so many big men stand in the corner during NBA games. You know, But if Simmons brings that to an actual game, and he makes a three, especially in the playoffs, you, know, you can just expect the internet to go crazy for a day over that. Then we have Embiid, you know, one of the players that really has a chance to just show up and completely change the entire complexion of the entire postseason. Uh, if he shows up in shape and he's motivated, that could easily happen. And of course, in this pressure cooker type of setting of the NBA bubble, and we'll really be able to get a sense for where the Sixers stand as a cohesive unit. If they can play together, that'll show up here. If they can't play together, and if there are moves on the horizon, maybe this offseason, it will be very apparent as we're watching. The Sixers probably have the biggest variance of possibilities in the entire postseason. The road to the finals for all of those teams is a little simpler since they only have to beat the Bucks to get there. Out West, it's going to be much more difficult since they basically have to beat both the Clippers and the Lakers to do it. I wouldn't expect the Thunder to be making that hurdle, nor the Jazz, although there are young guards on both teams that really would elevate their status if they can make those types of waves in the playoffs. And with the Jazz, we also have the Mitchell-Gobert storyline of, you know, if they actually get along anymore. You know, there's reportedly a whole ton of animosity after all the COVID-19 stuff with Gobert blew up, although supposedly they've made up by now. At least that's what they tell us. I guess we'll find out soon. Uh, then we have the Rockets with their super small ball lineup that maybe gives them the best chance of any of these teams to make it to the Western Conference Finals at the very least, maybe even the championship. You know, they're just kind of set up in a way that you know, with the playoffs being as weird as they are, they could really just mess with teams and make it far. I'm not sure we're going to see much benefit in cards if that's the case. You know, maybe a little bit with James Harden, although... I kind of suspect for that for most NBA fans, Harden is you know, just what he is. Really good, obviously, but he's James Harden, and he often plays the villain in most NBA narratives. Uh, maybe that's unfair to him, but that's just kind of what it is. The Nuggets, they could make a splash, although I don't feel super confident that they will. I don't think we're going to see any bull bull in the playoffs, and, and with the shortened bench, I'm not even sure that we're going to see much Michael Porter Jr. either, sadly. Although, they would really like to have his steady scoring during the playoffs. So maybe Malone will surprise me, but 
and I kind of just doubt that we'll be seeing a ton of action from him these playoffs. Hope I'm wrong, though, obviously, but most teams try to use like seven or eight guys during the playoffs, and maybe MPJ is outside of that. So then we're left with Jokic and Jamal Murray as the two big beneficiaries of a deep playoff run. I really think that this could be Murray's big breakout, you know, a couple big shots at the end of a close game, and we'll see a big run in Murray, no doubt about it. And then finally, we have the three favorites, according to most people anyways, but I think obviously the three favorites are the Bucks, Clippers, and Lakers. All three of them, they have their alpha dogs who will be boosted if they win a championship. You know, if Kawhi wins his third championship with his third team, he really solidifies his status as one of the transcendent talents of the decade. Of course, if LeBron wins... He's on his fourth ring, his first in the Western Conference, and it's with the Lakers. You know, pretty much everything of his should skyrocket then, even though it is already just astronomical. And then we have Giannis looking for his first ring, and obviously he's already expensive as it is, you know, but there will certainly be room to grow in his market, especially if he tacks on MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, along with a Finals victory and likely a Finals MVP at that point. You know, that would solidify him as the face of the NBA and the best player in the league moving forward, and we would see tons of benefit all across all of his cards all around the market. Uh, there are the secondary stars, too. You know, Paul George, Anthony Davis, and Chris Middleton. And they might see some action, although you know, I kind of worry, at least with the first two of those, that the narrative would be that they couldn't do it by themselves, and then they rode the coattails of Kawhi and LeBron. Obviously, the same would be true of Middleton, uh, but that narrative wouldn't enter into the conversation just due to the different statuses of the players. And so depending on how the national conversation goes around these guys, that could really swing the narrative. So they could be beneficiaries, or they could just kind of remain the same. I'm not sure. Uh, not a whole ton of young guys on these three teams to get excited about, you know, for, you know, for card investors anyways. Uh, but we have Kyle Kuzma and Alex Caruso, who could, see, who could be beneficiaries. I'd hope that Kuzma scores like 20 points once in the playoffs, and then, you know, if you have him still, sell him. Caruso, he's just one of those fan favorites, and he almost has to have an expanded role on the Lakers because of all the different players, especially guards, that the, the Lakers are missing from these playoffs. Uh, Ivica Zubats, he's been sneaky good all season for the Clippers, you know, but he's probably not going to do enough to garner much national attention. You know, more of just a steadying force down low for the Clippers and kind of an NBA nerd type of guy, not really a card guy, I don't think. And then there's my boy, the big ragu, Dante DiVincenzo. Did you know this past season he was ranked 49th in box plus minus, 27th in real plus minus, 18th in Raptor, the catch-all metric from 538, and he was 29th in PIPM. He's just super good all season, and, and you know, still most people still really only think of him in connection with Villanova. I try to only bring him up every once in a while because you know, he's one of my favorite players, and I have a hard time telling if I'm just looking through these rose-colored glasses at him. But he was objectively good all season. You know, put him in this heightened playoff atmosphere. He just has the type of game that not only shows up in the advanced stats, but it also really pops on the screen. Uh, if the Bucks make a deep run to the championship, there are going to be a lot of eyes on Dante that weren't before, and I would expect a lot of opinions to change. All right, there you have it, what I've prepared for you anyways. Uh, fun to look at the NBA restart with, with you. Uh, not as in-depth statistically as I usually like to do, but you know I think it, this topic kind of called for a more general approach. Feel free to keep this conversation going in the comment section, or feel free to shoot me a DM on Instagram. I have no problem answering DMs. I love to talk with you guys. Um, that's all the time I have for today, though, so thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week.